going to get moving right along here this morning. Just a kind of uh, topic this morning is going to be building strong believers. Again, as we've been looking at the, 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 the overall topic of the grace reset and just kind of resetting in our thinking some things as we go through here. Again, last time we saw how God created man and how he makes you and I. And I'm going to use my guy again, okay? So here you are, or here I am, and how he deals with you and I and how he created us to function and to operate. And he, he gave us a spirit, okay? He gave us a soul, and then he put us in a body. And I do this because we're going to work inside this guy this morning. And when we are, if you look at 1 Corinthians 3, look at verse 9. For we are labors together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. Notice the building terminology. You're his building. Edification, edifice. We're going to build something up here. We're going to talk about who, and, and, and we're going to build some things. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And again, that's what we're going to do. Paul is going to come in, and he's going to give us the information. Again, your spirit, that's your mind. We're going to have God's Word over here. Sorry. God's Word over here. And it's going to come into our thinking, into our mind. It's going to come, we're going to move it into, well, your soul. That's the real you. Here's your heart. With the heart, man believes unto righteousness. You have a will. That's your volition. Again, your volition, we decide we're going to do it. We're going to be held accountable for whether it's good or bad, yay or nay. We're, that's the will. Then you have your conscience, who's going to work with your emotions, who are going to connect to the body, and there's the vehicle to then go out there and uh, perform the good works that we are learning and that we're doing and that we're, we're registering, okay? And what we're going to do this morning is, is we're going to begin to just, again, reset our thinking, how this works. What is the design? Come over with me to Romans chapter 1. In, in Paul's epistles are in your book, not in their written order, but they're in your book in an order to accomplish something. And he tells us that in Romans 1. He, he, again, Paul's the wise master builder. He's got the blueprint. He's going to come in and he's going to say, we're going to go eight feet this way and nine feet that way, and then we're going to go ten. He's got it all figured out. He's got it all laid in for you. And where the, blueprint, where the blueprint lies is in the book of Romans. And what's going to happen, the goal here is to build and to lay into your inner man a foundation of doctrine. Okay? Romans 1 verse 11. Paul says, For I long to see you, those at Rome, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end ye may be established. The goal. What's the goal here? The goal is, is I want to impart unto you a spiritual gift. The spiritual gift turns out to be doctrine. Okay? 
Why? Why am I why do I want that to be? I want that I why do I want you to be established? And I say it with an E because it's established. Set up, lay it down. What am I doing? I'm laying in the foundation here. Okay? Well, verse 12. It's fascinating when you ask yourself a question. If you keep reading, the Bible will answer you. You know, it's wonderful. I don't know if you've ever thought about what would what would you what if you were on a deserted island and you could only have one book with you, which book would it be? How to build a ship. Always on the front row. You can't build a ship. You're stuck. Yeah. How to repair the motor, right? <laughs> okay. You think about that. Well, the only book that, if you have only the Word of God, you don't need a commentary. You don't need a dictionary. The Bible defines words for itself all over the place. You don't need, all you need is that. Well, and then how to build a ship. That would be good. Okay. But the thing is, notice verse 12. What, okay, Paul, what does it mean that, you may, that we may be established? That is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Notice, I want you to be established so that you and I have a mutual faith. We're talking on the, in the same terms. We're on the same ground here. We have a mutual. When the blueprint says it's a two-by-four building, well, the contractors, the construction, they understand what that means. Why? They have a mutual in the conversation, in the discussion. I look at it two by four. I just know that thing's like 150 bucks now in the store, you know, and it fit. See, I, I measure eight times and cut 16 times, you know. that's. What, but the guys in it, in our inner man, in our workings, how, what's the terminology? When he says justified unto eternal life, we understand what that means. When he says, hey, here's your walk, we understand it. There's a mutual faith here. So Paul says, I long to see you that I may impart unto you this mutual faith. Get you rooted and grounded. Get you established. Now come over to chapter 16 of Romans. Romans 16. We come through the four foundational blocks of the book of Romans, and we're going to talk about it here. And you come to the end of the book. He, he's done tried several times to conclude this book. In our first hour in our Sunday school, we're in Romans 16 now, and we're trying to get it done. We looked this morning at that chapter 15, verse 33, that title, The God of Peace. And we looked at that this morning. But the peace isn't, the God of Peace is not concerned about you having a peaceful life. See, verse 13 of 15, we were talking about it in the middle joy and peace in believing. You see, joy and peace comes from the doctrine, not whether or not life is smooth, because life ain't smooth. <laughs> it never really is. And even when you think it is, it's bumpy somewhere. But look at Romans 16.25. Stay on topic, Rick. Now to him that is of power to, notice, establish you, stabilize you. So the process, the divine design, the, the godly edification process has been laid out in the book of Romans for you. It's been laid out, further advanced information in the epistles. <laughs> Excuse me. So he says, verse 26, verse 25, that is of power to establish you according to my gospel. So that's point one. And, see, he's got that and, my gospel, 
and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest, and by the scriptures of the prophets. You see what we're doing here? We're building some doctrinal information, aren't we? And one leads to the next, leads to the next. So we have some doctrinal structure, a filing cabinet, if you will, in your inner man being built. So we have my gospel. Well, that's going to be the book of Romans, where he's going to lay out the power of God, the gospel of Christ, the power unto salvation. And he lays out the issue of the gospel, and we learn all about the cross of Calvary. What, what did the cross of Calvary do for you? One, it sets you free from your sins, the activities. That's chapters 1 through 5. Then he took care of the sin, the root of the problem, in chapter 6 through 8, by giving you his identity, his life. That's why in Romans 6 he talks about we walk in the newness of life. It's not your life, it's his life. Then he comes in, and he's, and by the way, you're dead to sin, you're dead to the law, and you're dead to the flesh, and you're alive under the Godhead, all three right there. Then he comes in and says, that's okay, by the way, here you, here's who you are dispensationally in 9 through 11. You're not the nation of Israel. You're not the believing remnant. You're not spiritual Israel. You're not replacing anybody. You're a new entity, a new creature. You're something new here. So when you hear the, the bozos, I mean the po folks say, hey, when you read Israel, just put body there and you're good to go. They don't know what they're talking about. All right? There are good speeches and fair speeches to, to deceive you. That's what they're doing. Then he says, okay, now we got an application of all of this into the details of life, and that's the 20. So you've got four footers laid in. You've got four foundations into your inner man. That's why we're doing it here. So he says, hey, we're going to talk about my gospel. Then he comes along. And he says, and my God, the foundational issues, the gospel given to Paul, the clarity of the gospel of grace. So the theme in the book of Romans is God's grace, my gospel. This is foundational. That's where we're at. We're laying in that concreted. We've got the form of sound words. We've got the forms up, and we're laying it in, and we got them pictured. Boom! And he's the chief cornerstone, and he's the he's the line, he's the center, and we're moving it in, and we're building, and we're building upon that. Come over to just on your way to Ephesians three. Uh, stop in First Corinthians two. Just notice something here. My gospel, the foundational issues, the gospel of the grace of God today. He's orienting us towards God's grace. That's what he's doing. You know, you plug in the address and the GPS, and it says, hey, bozo, turn around. You're going the wrong way. That happens to me all the time. I'm like, I know it, but that road's closed. Nope, turn around, turn around. And then Helga's talking to me the whole way. Turn around, turn around, turn around. I said turn around, you know, uh, the whole... Right? Orient the right way. His grace. That's where it starts. 1 Corinthians 2, 
Notice, if you will, verse 1, and, and, and I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That's what Romans is all about. Is that identity that we have and all of the all of the facets and the nuances of Christ crucified, of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Now, then he says, verse 6, Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, mature, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor the princes of this world that come to naught, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. So we've got a wisdom. It sits, its foundation sits, verse 2, in Jesus Christ and Him crucified, but there's some more information that we need to get to, the preaching of Jesus Christ according to Revelation of the mystery. Okay? But you're not ready yet. Look at chapter 3. You guys aren't ready there yet at Corinth. Verse 1, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto babes, even, I'm sorry, as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk, and not with meat. For hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are you able to... You know what Paul's saying there is? All I could give you guys was the milk of the, of the cross work of Calvary. All I could do for you is give you who Jesus Christ was and Him crucified. I can't take you to the next advanced doctrinal level, nor will I take you there. I, you know what Paul's saying is, I'm not going to violate the ministry of the Holy Spirit, which works in the Word of God, and move you to a place and you're not able to handle it. You know, the, old, the movie, you want the truth, you can't handle the truth. You're not able to. Why? You're still over here carnal as babes in Christ. You need to grow up. Sometimes we like to get the cart before the horse, don't we? You can't do that in the edification design. Now, that doesn't mean you don't go read Ephesians and other things, Okay, but what does it mean? It means, hey, let's get in here and let's get our foundation set. Let's get God's grace in. Let's get oriented to the cross, what it means. Because then when we come in and we begin to t talk now about the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery, that's the next doctrinal book of Ephesians. Now here we're going to talk about the church, the body of Christ. Here we're going to talk about the goal of it all. Why is God doing what God's doing today? And the corporate issue of it and the moving of it in that manner. Come over to Ephesians 3. Ephesians 3. And what begins to happen here now is rather than having the foundation, not only the foundation, now we're building the house of doctrine. Now we're getting into some, now we're setting the walls up. Now, not only are we setting the walls up, now we're beginning to decorate the rooms. We're moving the foundation. We got the foundation laid. We got the four walls up. We got the roof on. It's interesting. I don't know if you watch them build. I do because it's fascinating. They don't build the roof in the, in the, out in the yard and then wait till the walls get up. They have an order, don't they? They come in. They lay this. They put the walls up. They get the... The, the trust, thank you, the trust up, they get all, and then they put, the, put all the, the tile on the roof on there to weigh it down and to get it to settle and do all that that they do. See, I know just enough to be dangerous, don't I? Okay? But see, the thing is, is they don't do, then they come in and then they put the walls in. That's what we're doing in, in Ephesians. We're putting in all the details. 
And in Ephesians, we begin to, to lay this in. Look, look, look at Ephesians 3 and watch him do it. Verse 1. Ephesians 3.1, For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if you've heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you, or how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in a few words, whereby when ye read ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in the Christ. How? By the, the, it's interesting in Ephesians, even in Ephesians 2, when he says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is a gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. You know, he never tells you you need to trust the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, does he? Why? Romans took care of that. He's going to make reference back there. By the way, Ephesians 2, if you look at verse 4, but God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us. Where do we learn about the great love of God? Romans 1 to 5. See, we learn that back. So we're building, and now we're up onto the next. We've got that house beginning to take shape. Okay? And we've got that, that, that that's what's happening. What are we learning? We're learning, we got the gospel, the foundation. But because of that, verse 3, verse 6, by the gospel, we begin to learn there's more going on. We begin to learn that there's, a, there's the, the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery. There's some advanced truth coming. Look, Hold on here. Look over at Galatians 3. Galatians 3. Galatians 3, verse 28. Galatians 3.28, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female. Isn't that, isn't that, what a wonderful verse that just tears down all of the divisiveness of life. We're dividing everything up today, it seems. That verse, you know what it says? You know what matters? For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. Do you know in the local assembly, when we come together, there should never be any divisiveness, divisive, division? But I'll get it right. My English teacher isn't here today, so I'm good to go. Sometimes on Monday nights, I'll ask Lauren about something, and she'll say, well, you really didn't say it right. I'm like, yes, ma'am. Okay, that's why I'm asking. <laughs> She's not here this morning, so we're okay, right? I don't see her back there. Okay, good. All right? And then she tells me she might not be an English teacher next year. I'm like, what? You can't do that to me. I need the help. No. And, but anyway, um, where was I? When you come into the local assembly, what, who, what's the In Christ. That's the issue. See. Come over to Titus chapter 1. Titus chapter 1. You still got Ephesians 3. Titus 1. Look at verse 2. Titus 1 verse 2. In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie, promised where? Isn't that interesting? Before the world began. Back when he was developing the mystery doctrine, what did he put in there? Eternal life. Now we understand, come back to Ephesians 3, we understand that he promised eternal life to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob here, Israel on the earth, but before he ever did that, what did he say? I'm going to do this, and I'm going to give them eternal life. Because they're where? They're in me. Now look at Ephesians 3, verse 11. According to the eternal purpose 
which he purposed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. We're participating in this advanced doctrine, and it all is the basis of the cross. The cross is the basis of it all. That's why you've got Romans, one of the largest books he writes, 16 chapters, and it covers all of that dynamic. Sins, taken care of. Sin, taken care of. Who, your identity, taken care of. How to live that life now. I beseech you that you present yourselves a living sacrifice, the living sacrifice mentality. Ephesians comes along, and Ephesians says, you need to be orientated, we're orient, orient grace here. Here's his goal. What's he doing today? He's forming the church, the body of Christ. Why? Because he's got a home in the heavenly places for us. He's got a job for us to do up there, and he's moving our thinking that way. Okay? Now you got another one in, in Romans 16. The scriptures of the prophets. And now you're going to see everything come out in the woodwork. And really... You know, again, what would maturity say? Well, wasn't there offices? You're in Ephesians 3. Look in Ephesians 4. And come to 1 Corinthians 12. When he talks about the scripture of the prophets, okay, we're going to begin to look. That's going to be, held, that's going to be covered in the books of First and Second Thessalonians. Okay? And in First and Second Thessalonians, we learn of his coming back for the church. We call it the rapture. We learn about the glory of being in the heavenly places. That's what we learn about. We learn now that we're in the heavenly places, that ultimate home, we're observers. We're observing things. We're watching things. And what we're going to do in Thessalonians is we're going to get orientated to his glory. Okay? You with me? Ephesians 4, 1 Corinthians 12. Go to, let's start in 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12. In verse 28. In 1 Corinthians 12, 13 and 14, the Apostle Paul answers the problem at Corinth concerning the spiritual gifts. They liked them, but they liked one above them all, and he's, he's dealing with that. And he says something very interesting in, verse, uh, in chapter 12, verse 28. And God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily, what? Prophets. Thirdly, teachers. After that, miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, governments, diversity of tongues. Isn't it interesting? Corinth promoted the tongue-talking and Paul in the list makes it last. It's very interesting. But what does he do? He organizes the importance in the local assembly at the time of the gifts. What's the most important office, gift? Apostle, first. Secondarily is what? Prophets. Why was the prophet number two? Because what does the prophet say? Come on to Ephesians 4. Prophet says, yea, hath God said. When Paul is writing, his Paul... When Paul, in the early days of the, of the body of Christ, we didn't have a completed canon of Scripture. So as Paul writes, a, a, writes the book of Romans, okay, writes the book of Galatians, sends it over to Galatia, in that local assembly sits 
the guy that's got the gift of a prophet. And he reads the book of Galatians. And you know what the book of Galatians says? It says what it says. You know what the prophet says? This is the Bible. This is scripture. So let's make everybody copies. So he goes over and to the Xerox machine, makes everybody copies, takes the original, sticks it in his book, takes a copy, sends it over to Thessalonica. So they have a copy. At Thessalonica, Colossae, remember that thing? Look over at Colossians 4. Colossians 4. Hold on. I, I, Colossians 4, verse 16. Colossians 4, 16. And when this epistle is read among you, cause that it be read also in the church of the Laodiceans, and that ye likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. You know why you don't have a book in your Bible called Laodicea? Because it wasn't Scripture. Whose job was it to identify the Scriptures? The prophet was in the local assembly. And then what did he do? He made copies. Everybody at Colossae had a copy. He sent a copy over to Laodicea. And then, by the way, in Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 5, look over there. You've got to see this, folks. It's all important. 1 Thessalonians 5, 27. 1 Thessalonians 5, 27. He says, I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. 527, the holy brethren. What are we doing? The prophet gets over there, makes a copy, sends it over here. They get to Colossae. Colossae makes a copy, sends it over to Laodicea. Laodicea makes a copy, sends it to Thessalonica. Thessalonica makes a copy, sends it to Rome. We got around Corinth and Ephesus. And there's a circuit situation going on through the gift of the prophet to the church, the body of Christ, until Paul's done writing, 2 Timothy. When Paul's done writing, every local church, every member of the church, the body of Christ, has a completed Bible in their lap. The Old Testament's done. The Hebrew epistles are done. The Gospels are done by the end of the penning of the writing of 2 Timothy. It is done. That's why 2 Timothy 3, he says, all Scripture is given. All of it is done. There's no more coming down the pipeline in 90 A.D., sorry, or 70 A.D., or any of the other idiotic things. Again, I'm going to be honest with you. That's what immaturity says. Maturity says, you know what? Colossians 1, Paul says, I'm fulfilling the word. I'm, filling, I'm finishing it. I'm the last guy talking. Why? Because his, his message is a capstone of all of the progressive revelation. It is complete. In Galatians 1, when Paul says, though we are an angel from heaven, and he quotes Revelation 14, there's a reason why he can quote Revelation 14. It's sitting in the book of Revelation on his table. He's read it. He's understood it. When he looks at the Thessalonians and he says, listen, I've told you perfectly about the day of the Lord, and you understood it perfectly, that means he's got it all on the table. That doesn't mean he's waiting for John to write Revelation. See, I get a little heated, don't I? Okay? He's not waiting. He's got it all when he says this stuff. Well, Rick, it's the Holy Spirit. No, it's not. It's Paul. Well, yes, it is. But the Holy Spirit using the author, he's got it in front of him. It would be a lie for Paul to say, I understand it if he didn't understand it. And he doesn't do that. So when we talk about the Scripture of the Prophets, one of the main things here is that Ephesians 4, verse 11, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints. Why did he have that gift-giving going on? 
for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Verse 13, till we all come. See that till timing. There's going to be a time when we're going to come into the... A, the unity of the faith. And again, the faith, that doctrine that was given to Paul. The faith, not the faith. No, it's the faith, the doctrine unto a perfect man. How do I get to be a perfect man? All Scripture is given by inspiration and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be what? Perfect. How do I get that? I got all the Scripture given to me. So when you talk about Scriptures of the prophets, Number one is there were prophets in the moment that identified the Word of God that said, this is Scripture, and this isn't. Paul says to the Corinthians, I wrote a letter to you to fix some stuff. You know, you don't have that letter in Scripture. It is not there. <gasps> Missing books of the Bible. No, it's not there because it wasn't Scripture. Who determined that? The church did in the gift-giving, in the gift system. Okay? So you've got a structure here. 1 Corinthians 14. You were just there, I know. 1 Corinthians 14. You see, folks, you've got to pay attention to this. You can't just dive in and cave in to the, to the everyday language of Christendom out there. There's things going on. There's a reason why it says it the way it says it. Look at 1437. If it, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 37. If any man think himself to be a what? Isn't that interesting? Or spiritual. Paul doesn't say an apostle. Paul says what? A prophet. Why? Because a prophet says, yea, God says. Here's what God says. Or spiritual. If you think you're speaking on behalf of God, let him acknowledge that the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. Isn't that interesting? Paul says, my epistles are the commandments of the Lord. Well, we just keep the commandments. Oh, really? How are you doing with Paul's? Because he gives a bunch of them. The New Testament, the word, there they are. Okay? Now, come over to Hebrews 5. The second way to read scriptures of the prophets, and we'll see this here when we get into Thessalonians, is that it has to do with the fact that Paul is the capstone of revelation of all of scripture. That his message does put a cap on all of the progressive revelation. There is no more to come. Because what First and Second Thessalonians do for you is they show you how we interact with Israel's program. Okay? I'm saying it to you now because you're thinking about it and I'm thinking about it. How do you and I interact with, with Israel's program? Well, we interrupted it. We understand that. But over here in the future, in the to come, how do we interact with it? Well, we're not here. We're delivered from the wrath to come. We're not appointed to the wrath. We're not going there. We're pre-trib. We're out. But 2 Thessalonians says, when the tribulation comes, you're not there either. <laughs> and here's the evidence. So the scriptures of the prophets, yes, in that there's the gift of the prophet identifying it, but more importantly with Thessalonians, our relationship with the rest of scripture. 
How does that work? What does it look like? You with me? All right, Hebrews 5. What does all this have to do with the price of tea in China? Well, it's Hebrews 5.13. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. You come to the word of God, and you use it improperly. What are you? You're a baby. Well, but I've been to so-and-so school, and I got the, the Ph.D., the A.D.D., the do-do-do, the D.D.D., the T.T.T., all of it. I got it all, man. You're a babe. Because you're not using it how? Skillfully. You're not using it properly. Now look at verse 14. But strong meat belongeth to who? To them that are of full age. So you're a babe. Your immaturity is going to say this. Wah, wah. I want it my way. Wah, wah. It's got to be my way. Wah. You ever hear a baby cry? Wah, wah. That's what immaturity does. Full age. Got some mature. Now you know what the babies say. What? Why? You know, wah is why in baby talk. Why? Because what, what do those kids do to you? Why do I have to do that? Because I'm dad and you're going to do it. They get older. Why do I, do, why do I have to do that? Because I'm the landlord and you've got to pay rent. Or I'm the bank and I own the mortgage. <laughs> why? why? See, that question never leaves them. Until what? Until they finally get down to the end and go, why did I do that? See, why? It's always there. Right? The point is, look at verse 14. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age. Even those who by, notice, reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. If you want to discern between good and evil, you know what you better be using? You better be using the Word of God rightly divided. That's what you got to have. Comes into your head. We've been looking at it. You come down here into your heart. And you say, yep, that's what I'm going to do. And you go do it. Now, come over to 2 Timothy 3. You're building this into your thinking. The whole scope, the whole pattern. You got to look, again, you got to look at everything that God's doing today in the age of grace. The whole of it is designed to, to bring you to maturity, to bring you to perfection, to cause you to be able to well, be thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So whatever the circumstance of life is out here, whatever that is, as I look at it and as I begin to think about it, we were talking in the break, Philippians. Paul is in prison. He's being beat. His wounds are laid open. He's got broken everything. And you know what he says? Praise the Lord, let's sing Amazing Grace. He doesn't cry. He doesn't complain. They actually got, they have an earthquake, Philippian jailer. He doesn't run. He stays there. They're down joy and peace in believing. How can he get there? That's why in Philippians 4 he says, In whatsoever state I am, I've what? Learned. I've been instructed. 
What's this doing? The doctrine comes in. The circumstance isn't the issue. The issue is how do I respond and how do I view the circumstance? What do I do in that circumstance? Do I go over here, get my little human viewpoint in? By the way, that has built down here too, just FYI. What do I do? Do I come over here and say, you know what? This is who I am. I'm going to do this. How do I respond? That's the issue. 2 Timothy 3, verse 16. This is one of the most instructive verses on your Bible. And what it is designed to do, all Scripture. How much Scripture? All of it. Genesis to the end, beginning to the end, all of it is developed this way. Do you know why the things about Israel are in your Scripture and other things aren't? Do you know why in Luke, we'll get into Luke eventually. In Luke 1, Paul goes, or Luke goes out there and he begins to talk about things and he's a good eyewitness and he's a good historian. And you go back in the Old Testament and there are books called books of the kings and the books of this and the books of Israel. Do you know why all that's there? And not every little detail that Israel did. Now they're contained in the history books. Do you know why they're just certain things in your Bible? Because all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for what? For doctrine. For what? For reproof. For correction. For instruction. You see, it's that thing in the end of John, he says, if the if the everything was written that the Lord did, the whole world couldn't the world couldn't contain the books. But yet John only has eight, seven of the, he's got seven miracles, eighth one if you count Calvary. Why only seven? Well, there's only seven compound Jehovah names that he deals with Israel on a, on a major way. There's three other ones he doesn't do. But John doesn't need all. Matthew's got a ton of them. Mark a little bit, Luke a little bit. Why? Because they're, it's design is what? It's therefore the doctrine for Israel. The doctrine. Tells you what the truth is. Tells you what to believe. The reproof. Your behavior is not matching the doctrine. Correction. You have the doctrine that's bad and we need to fix it. Here's the truth, the doctrine. So you have doctrine. Here's the truth. Then you have reproof. Time to fix your behavior to match the doctrine. Yeah, that's why the greatest commentaries on the book of Romans is 1st, 2nd Corinthians and Galatians, because here's the correction, and now we got to fix our bad doctrine. So we have the doctrinal books of Romans, Ephesians, and Thessalonians. You have the reproof book of the Corinthians and the Galatians. Uh, Corinthians, sorry. And the Philippians. You have the corrective books of Galatians and Colossians. After that, you don't have any more correction and reproof. Because Thessalonians, where did we go? We went home. We're glorified. Okay? The rapture's happened. 
But yet we do have Timothy, Titus, and Philemon, don't we? By the way, these books deal with godliness. They deal with the congregation. Isn't that interesting? They're the, they're the rooftop being put over. All of this makes up the in, for instruction in righteousness. That's wonderful. It's fantastic to know that you're, you got the foundation, you got the house of doctrine, you've got the fullness, you've got the glory, there's the future. And here is the fellowship. You need F's. You have faith, love, hope. You got them right there. All set in your, the way that the books are laid and designed to be. You follow all that? Okay. Uh-oh, that was the test. In your inner man. We got five minutes. Here's the house. The foundation is Jesus Christ. We're going to come in and we're going to build on that foundation the issue of faith, the issue of the cross, the issue of God's grace. That's covered in the book of Romans. Okay? Corinthians will reprove the bad behavior. Galatians will fix the bad doctrine associated with the cross and with God's grace. You know that the Corinthians say, we're in grace, we can live any way we want to. Didn't he answer that in Romans 6? Where he said, God forbid. You know what the Corinthians were doing that? They were rich, they were a wealthy group, and went out and did whatever they want. They didn't care. Paul nails them. Then you have Ephesians. So now we're going to have another doctrinal edifice. Here's our love. Here's the issue of the goal, what God's doing today. Here's the church, the body of Christ, the corporality of it. Then you got Philippians, reprove it. Colossians, you know what Colossians did? They weren't holding the head concerning the church and the goal. Philippians, a mature group, by the way. They were mature, but yet their emotions ran them. They were terrified by their adversaries. Their emotions got them. You know what that means? It'll get you. You've got to have them in, in check. Then you get Thessalonians. Now we have another doctrinal we have our hope. 
right? We have the coming back of the Lord Jesus Christ personally for you and I. And where are we going? We're going to glory. See what's going on? Now you got Timothy, Titus, and Philemon, and we're going to put a roof on this bad boy. And here we're going to talk about our fellowship in the congregation as we learn and demonstrate the issue of godliness. By the way, I didn't do the Fs. That's our future. This is our fullness. And this is the foundation. And what do we learn in Timothy, Titus, and Philemon? How we all work together in a local assembly. And that's the vehicle that's designed to do that. That makes a little better sense than trying to do over there. Why? Because you have full age, you know how to skillfully use that book. So when the circumstances of life come, good or bad, doesn't matter. What can I do? I can say, there's my circumstance. I'm going to reach into God's word, get an answer. I'm going to bring it down into my heart and my will. We're going to decide to do it. We're going to tell the body to let's go. And let's do that. Don't care what the world says. The world looks at you and says, you're a fool. You believe a Jew died on a cross for you. You're a fool. The foolishness of the world. It's interesting. Colossians 1. You see? That's where we're at. Now, come on over to Romans 15. Folks, we need to reset our thinking on this. We're not going to take the books and break them all down. We'll be here till next Tuesday. And I got stuff to do this week. So do you. Okay? Romans 15, look at verse 13. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in what? Not in removing the problem. Not in making the problems bigger, less, worse, no, little, you know, fairy dust and unicorns and rainbows. Not at all. In what? In believing. And in Romans 15, what are we believing? The doctrine in Romans is what we're believing. Where do I have joy and peace? In the doctrine. That's where I have my joy and peace. In believing the doctrine. Getting in, understanding how it's designed to work, building that edifice into my inner man. Again, it does... How many of you have read Thessalonians? Nobody raised their hand. Folks on the internet, I apologize, but there are people in the room. But where is Thessalonians in this? Foundational or a little more up here? A little more up here. It's not saying don't jump, don't read ahead. Duh. It doesn't say don't get all of Romans before you can move on. That's just not going to happen because there's stuff in Romans that you ain't going to get. It just says what? There's a process to it. And the epistles are in their order, Rome, Hebrews 5, so you can come to full age, and so you can discern between good and evil. We need to reset our thinking. We just need to be reminded of this. 
Because what we're going to do now is we're going to take our foundation in our inner man and we're going to begin to build little rooms, if you will. Prayer. Chastening. Does God chasten you today? I think he does in reproof and correction, don't you? But how does he do it? See, What about prayer? I love that one. What about intervention? What about, how do you think about this? What does scripture say? But how are we going to do it? We're going to do it this way. Not Christian dumb, D-U-M-B. Okay? Just reset our thinking. That's all, that's all we're trying to do with you. Just reset. Here's some basic information. And, and get that in our mind. Okay? All right. Dear Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. Above all, Lord, we just thank you for who we are in your son. And Lord, I just pray that we'll take this, we'll rejoice in it, we'll apply it to the details of our lives, because it's your word, and it's how you've organized it to work in our lives effectually. We give you the praise and the glory. In your name we pray. Amen.